what I want to talk about today is, is kind of the, the, the catalyst of, of how, do we, how do we move, now that we, we've got this idea that I need, to, I need to get rid of some bad habits, I need to add some good habits, we're not trying to do it all at one time, right? We're not like trying to overload and get rid of all these bad habits at one time, we're not trying to overload and do all these good habits, it's, it's one step at a time. We get one good habit down, and then we start to add. We, we habit stack, right? What I talked about last week, we habit stack. And, and what, what do we do then? Here, and really, this could have been like before the habits, but I really feel like I wanted to do this message last. And, and my title for today is Invest in Growth. Invest in Growth, okay? The very first uh, uh, sermon that I did for this series, I started off with this statement. In any given moment, we have two options, to step forward into growth or to step back into safety. If you've ever done anything scary, you know that taking that first step of faith is probably the hardest thing ever because you don't know what you're doing. You don't know if you're going to fail. You don't know if you're going to be successful or, or effective. You don't know if, if it's going to work out or if it's going to fail miserably. And so that first step of saying, okay, I'm going to try something new is one of the hardest steps. And, and can I tell you, on a spiritual level, it's the biggest step that most of us never do because the enemy tells us, stay comfortable. A lot of times we think that the enemy only wants us to sin, but did you know that not moving forward when God tells you to is just as bad as moving backwards? Um, there's, a, there's a scripture in James, and, and it was one of the ones that really messed me up as a teenager when I read it, and it said, to know to do good and not to do it is sin. And I was like, oh, Man, because, because once you kind of get, you know, in that, that mode where I, I love Jesus, I want to serve Jesus, and then you get comfortable, and God's like, I never, like, there's no scripture that I found that says live comfortably. I, I found scriptures that say live at peace. I, I found uh, scriptures that say love people, l- live with, with God's heart, but I've yet to find one that says live comfortably. I wish I did. I wish I could create one. First book of Scott. Chapter one, verse one, you know, some of you are like, that's blasphemy. I know. That's why it's not in the Bible. Okay. Because he knew better than to make me somebody who would write something in the Bible. Be like, live at peace and be comfortable and, and just enjoy life. Um, and, and there are scriptures. Here's the thing. There are scriptures that you will find that, that say enjoy life, but enjoyment and comfortability are two different things. You can be scared out of your ever loving mind and still enjoy life. You could be living in the middle of chaos and still enjoy life. I would even go as far as spiritually, you can live in chaos and have peace because that's what the scripture says, that it's, it, our circumstances don't get to define how, what God is doing inside and internally in our spirit. And so we have a choice in life. Every, you know, listen, oh, I, I, you don't understand, I can't. I can't is the enemy's way of saying, don't ever try. Don't ever try to become the person that God has created you to be. Don't ever try to step forward and, and, and be better. Don't ever, don't ever try because you're going to fail. So just give yourself an excuse of why not. Well, it's just who I am. It's just this. It's just that. And we give these excuses. And, and listen, we've got two choices. Constantly move forward or take a step back into safety. And today I want you to, I hope what you leave here with is that you want to invest in your spiritual growth in a way that you're no longer looking back at, the, at who you used to be or the bad habits that, that have defined you, but moving forward step-by-step, step, one step at a time towards who Jesus is making you. Um, listen, most people are not naturally gifted at things. That's a reality. Ever, listen, ever met somebody that was just naturally gifted at something and you hated them for it? 
Okay, I'll be the only one center that says that. Okay, cool. Um, there, there's a there's a guy that I know. Um, he grew up in our youth group, and he was a couple years younger than us. And and tell you kind of how crazy our our uh, earlier youth group life was. I was 19 years old running the youth ministry for a youth group that was predominantly 16 and 17 year olds. Like I had anything to offer them. <laughs> Well, you know, let me give you some old wisdom. Like, I'm two years older than you. I really don't got much to give you. Um, but I did my best, and, 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 uh, and, and I thought it went well. And, but we had a kid in there. His name was Ray, and uh, he was phenomenal. I mean, you want to talk about a musician. This guy was stupid. Like, he had one of those ears that could tell if you were off tune, like even by the slightest half step. Oh, that's a half step off. I'm like, I hate you. Get out of my room. You know, like, he, he learned all of the, he picked up an instrument and just learned it. I, I remember on a, on a Wednesday night, he walked up to a guitar and just started playing and just fiddling, and I'm like, I want to hit you with the guitar. He started making, um, he started making music on the PlayStation 2 when they, uh, MTV had a game called Beatmaker, and he would get on the Beatmaker game, and he would make full-on music. I mean, like, before, there, before he had a computer, before he had any of that, he was making things that you could probably sell on PlayStation game. I'm like, this is ridiculous. And, but listen, this is, this is how cool it is. He's that gifted, and most people aren't, right? Now, he's parlayed that into a career. Okay, he's a producer. He's, a, he's, he's won Grammys and, and all of that. Um, if you've ever listened to Bruno Mars, you've listened to some of his music. Um, it's the people behind the music. Um, so uh, 24 karat uh, gold, yeah, he was part of that, uh, part of all that uh, record. And so, um, so super talented. Most of us are not that, by the way. So what do we do? How, how do we move into our giftings and move into what God has, has, has told us to be a part of? And, and how do we invest in the growth of what God has given us? I'll tell you how it is, is we put in the practice. I remember growing up playing sports. I, I love to practice. And I know that sounds silly, but I, I loved practice because I wanted to be better. And I would take, um, for baseball, I would take a tennis ball, and, and I would take the tennis ball, and I would, I would hit it up against the house. And just like, whatever random way it went, I would try to catch it. And, and now as a parent, I realize how probably how annoying that was to my parents. <laughs> like for an hour at a time, just like just hitting the side of the house. Like that would be just, I, I would probably lose my mind. I, you know, I would. Um, but I was thankful. <laughs> I guess they didn't care. They had more patience than I do. Um, but I would, I would throw the tennis ball and I would get better at locating the ball with my glove. I would do specific drills in sports. I would watch others learning music. I would sit in the room with better musicians and I would ask questions. Hey, how did you make that note? Hey, how did, how did you figure that out? You know, Working on cars, you get around people that work on cars, or nowadays you just get on YouTube, but you get around people that, that know what they're doing, and you learn from them, and then you, you have to do it, right? How many have ever watched something, and you go, I could do that, but you never tried? You know, baking, anybody, anybody, anybody ever watch those, like, you know, you get on Facebook, and they just tell you what to watch, and you're, you're like, oh, those look so yummy, and they're like, three easy steps to make this cookie, and you're like, that's not how my cookie would come out. You know what I'm talking about, those Pinterest fails? It's because we think that we're going to do it like they did it, even though that's like the hundredth time they've done it, and it's the first time we've done it. You know, they make this beautiful Elmo cake, and you make it look like Elmo's missing an eyeball. You know, it's, it's you know, those kind of moments. But how do we get better? We make that elbow missing an eyeball. 
and then we do it again, and then we do it again. And pretty soon, you never, you're like, hey, I, I've got the hang of this. You see, it's, it's, it's putting in the practice, investing in the things that we want to learn to do. Everybody has something that they love to do. You got good at it by investing in the time. And our spiritual walk, it's no different. If we want to get close to Jesus, we have to invest in it. We have to invest our time. And so I'm going to read two scriptures, um, one now and one in a little bit, that, that kind of point us into the direction of how, okay? So the first one is 2 Peter 1, 3 through 8. And it says this, by his divine power. I read, I read this scripture at the very beginning as well. Um, by his divine power, God has given us everything. Everybody say everything. Like you mean it, everything. Okay, so nobody has an excuse of, of, of not being able to live the way that God, because right here it says, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. We have received all of this by coming to know him, the one who called us to himself by means of his marvelous glory and excellence. And because of his glory and excellence, he has given us great and precious promises. These are the promises that enable you to share his divine nature and escape the world's corruption caused by human desire. In view of all this, make every effort to respond to God's promise. I'm gonna stop just right there because I want you to hear, make every effort. That is a action word. It is a, it is a verb, okay? You cannot make every effort and do nothing, <laughs> right? So, so when, when God says through his word, the words are very uh, purposeful to, to God. If it's in the Bible, he wants you to understand, make every effort. And the enemy will say, well, you tried. But did you make every effort? Well, well, you tried to be nice to them, but did you make every effort? Well, you, you tried to have financial peace, but did you make every effort? See, the enemy will get you to say, we gave it a good college try, good job. And the, and the, and the Bible says, but did you make every effort? Did you really put the time and investment into doing all that God has for you? So make every effort to respond to God's promises. Supplement your faith. What does that mean? Add to your faith with a generous provision of moral excellence. We call that morality. And moral excellence with knowledge. So you got to know stuff. And knowledge with self-control. We hate that word. And self-control with patient endurance. And patient endurance with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection and brotherly affection with love for everyone. The more, listen, here, here's, here's, the, here's one of the key parts of the scripture. The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will be in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. So I want you to, I want you to hear this scripture this morning, is that he gives you a roadmap to investing in your spiritual growth. It, it's, it's not rocket science. It's not hard. It, it's, it, it, he's not even hiding it, Right? Like, Jesus really wants you to succeed in living your best life and being connected to him. This isn't like, I think a lot of times we go, well, Christianity is so hard, I don't understand it. You're probably reading Leviticus, that's why. You know, or, or, or you started in the wrong book. Like, start with the simple truths. Start with the gospel. Start with, with these, these uh, letters to the church uh, from Peter and from Paul. And, and he spells out what it really means to live godly. Now, nowhere in this did you hear perfect. Nowhere in this did, it, did you hear that you're better than or anything like that. It said, here, here's what you need to do to your faith, right? To the faith that you say, I believe in Jesus and I'm going to trust him and I'm going to follow him. With that, I'm going to add some things to it. I'm going to supplement my faith with moral excellence. I'm going to have a moral, biblically moral compass, right? 
not, not a my family handed down compass, moral compass, because let's just be real. What I believe is truth or what I believe is moral may be different than what you think is moral. Right, we we could get into a, a lot of conversations about um, gun control laws, the morality of them. Everybody has a different opinion. Or, or you know, I just had a really interesting conversation about abortion with somebody a couple of weeks ago. And and their moral compass in their brain says it's okay. And 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 so so it's not about my moral compass; it's about the biblical moral compass, right? A, so so in in when when we study these words and when we study these things in the church world as a leader, we call it a biblical worldview. So there's worldview, and then there's a biblical worldview. A worldview shifts, okay? So so we have culture, right? And and think about okay, I, I'll pick not pick on, but I will ex, uh, expose kind of like an older generation thought process, right? Um, you know, Bill uh, Jones, he's he's lived a lot of life. Okay, he has. He has probably seen more changes in his lifetime than he ever thought he would. He's seen culture shift. What was moral 50 years ago is, is not the same today. What was immoral 50 years ago is, is now almost considered moral today. So, so cultural morality shifts. That's, that's our worldview right? We get things like, well, everybody now is okay with it. We've evolved. <laughs> Have we? And I'm not knocking anybody's way of thinking, but I'm saying it shifts. In, in, in 10 years from now, there's going to be more shifts. And if we just go with whatever culture says, then we will, we will be like the wind, just kind of being blown here and there, however they think is it will be our moral compass. The biblical worldview says this, the Bible speaks truth, and that truth is my north. And that's what I believe. Now, can I tell you this? You don't have to understand it or agree with it all to follow it. Isn't that, God tells us, yeah, it says faith. There are things in the Bible that I read and I go, if I had my choice, I wouldn't believe that. If I had my choice, I wouldn't say it that way. Anybody ever read a scripture and you're like, ooh, I don't don't know about that one. But here's what I know. Whether I agree with it or not in the moment, I'm going to pray that the Holy Spirit will give me wisdom to understand what that means in my life. And so biblical worldview, biblical morality is our guide added to our faith. Now listen, here's here's where we get it twisted. We cannot force biblical morality on unbiblical people. And this is what the church does so bad. We try, like, like, oh, America, we want you to love God. What is wrong with you? Can I tell you that no nation has ever been a godly nation? I may take flack for that. You can't force Christianity belief on a country. A country doesn't have a spirit in that sense. Its people does. And though you may write it in letters, you have to impress it on the hearts of men and women. And you don't do that through legislation. You don't do that through force. You do that through love. Now, you can write it in words. I believe that we need to have morality in our legislation. I do believe that we need to have a biblical, if you are a, a Christian and you are in politics, that it should guide every decision that you make. But we've got to stop thinking that the un-Jesus-loving uh, people are going to choose our way and think that they're just going to come over to our, so listen, I'm going to show them Jesus and I'm going to show them his love so that they might see it in turn and then eventually they'll get the biblical worldview. 
My job isn't to, to try to change a nation. My, my job, my goal, my heart is to change people's hearts towards Jesus. Therefore, changing everything and how they see things. We add that. We add to that knowledge. Can I tell you one of the hardest things is to listen to people spew stuff that they know nothing about? And we have a lot of that running rampant. I Googled it, so now I'm an expert. Listen. We have more connection to the world than ever before. We're the most isolated that we've ever been as well. We're the most lonely that we've ever been. And, we, and because it's at our fingertips, we don't take the, the, the next step, which is a deep dive into studies that we're willing to have conversations about. And we also need to stop being agitated and get angry about it. But that's a whole nother message. We got to have knowledge. We have to, we have to study. Don't just give some crackerjack scripture to to back something. If you want to know something, learn about it. Study it. There's so many tools that that, that you have at at your fingertips. YouVersion Bible app, Bible Gateway, blueletterbible.org, where you can literally put in a search word. You could put in uh, depression, and it'll bring up stuff and scriptures to read, and even like the Hebrew and Greek words going back to the way that it was written. There's no reason why we can't add knowledge to our faith. They go hand in hand. Self-control, one of the hardest things, to have self-control in what we're doing, right? I'm, I'm saying no to this for a purpose, and even though it's presented and I like it, I'm going to say no because it's not best for me. I was just having this conversation with some people downtown last night uh, at the food truck festival, and we were talking about, um, we were talking about alcohol, uh, um, and we are talking about Native Dog in particular because they're downtown and, and whatnot, and I was like, yeah, I was like, you know, it'd be, you know, because people were uh, going, you know, they were going and getting food, and they were going to Native Dog, and then they were coming back and getting food, and, and it was great. There was a lot of people. It was a great environment, and uh, one of the other people, I did not make this comment, so don't come, and, don't come and judge me. One of the other people in the conversation said, and I quote, oh, you know, the Baptists are going to get all up in fence over alcohol. I'm like, I didn't say it. I didn't say it. I did not say it. Okay? But it just goes to show you that with, with all of that mindset, with all of that thought process, is that, that when, we, when we talk about it, it's, it's because we haven't talked about self-control. We just talked about what's bad, right? We don't talk about the reasons why or, or the motives behind things. And you know me. I talk about it a lot. What is your why? If you drink for, for reasons of, of losing your mind, of changing your environment to, to shift things, if you drink to become somebody different, you need to stop. I don't know how to say it any plainer than that. Like, that's not what Jesus would want for you. Now, I know people that, that enjoy the taste. I've had beer before. It's nasty. I'm sorry. I just, I'll say it. I, Some people go, well, you haven't had the right type. I'm like, I don't think there's a type for me. Um, you know, I've had other drinks that I'm like, okay, I could, this is okay. But if I ever got to the point where I was like, I must have it, or I have to have it because I, I want to become something, that's wrong. And it's no different. Listen, we, we, we talk about alcohol, and I, I, I talk about bluebell ice cream the same way, <laughs> okay? Because I know the struggle that I have with it. Like me and bluebell, we have a love-hate relationship. I love it. It loves me, and then it hates me, okay? It changes my body. And listen, it, it, you know, food is just as bad as alcohol. What do we run to when we're sad? A lot of us run to food. A lot of us run to that comfort. We don't run to broccoli. 
I've never seen anybody go, I'm really upset. I'm going to go have some broccoli. Like, that's what you feed somebody when you're mad at them. Like, here, have some broccoli. Like, now listen, I, I'll, I'll take some baked broccoli. It's really good. Some, some cold broccoli is really good. Steamed broccoli is the worst. Don't judge me. Shh. Okay? Southern people can, you know, fight over food. It's all good. But we got to have self-control. Patience, endurance. And those kind of seem like they go in hand in hand, but you got to have the, you ha, you gotta have the patience to, to go through the long haul. It can't, it's not a short sprint. It's a long run. And so we've got to have that patience to say, even through the hard times, I'm going to trust Jesus. Even when I don't understand, I'm going to trust Jesus. And it's interesting that he says, after all of that, add all of that, add godliness. That we invite God into every aspect of our life. God, I, I need you at my workplace. I need you in my family environment. God, I need, I need your godly character to go with me everywhere I go. So all of that is, is, is really the main message, but I want to leave you with some hows. So here's three things I want you to understand about investment. Investment produces growth. There's a difference between investing and spending. How many spent money this weekend? How many invested money this weekend? Well, look at you. It's, it's automatic. <laughs> ah, it's, listen, there's a whole message that could go there. It's automatic, okay? Because there is a massive difference between investing and spending. Spending, there is no return. Maybe some joy in the, in the moment, right? It's, it's not bad to spend, by the way. I'm not saying that it's bad to spend. But, but spending doesn't have the long-term return. It has the immediate gratification. I'm hungry, and I can choose Taco Bell or I can choose something really good, okay? And I don't care who you are, but Taco Bell is not really good. It's just really now. <laughs> like, it's just there, you know? And, 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 and so you can spend the money either way, but there's no real return on investment. It's just, it's just enjoyment, right? The food that I ate last night, it was just, it was just food. I, there was no investment later. Like, I'm not five years from now going, man, that burger that I had from that food truck, it's really coming back to, to help me out. <laughs> investment has a long-term view of what you're doing right now. And so, there's a, so, so the question is, when, when we look at our life, are we investing things or are we spending it? And, and it's okay, like I said, it's okay to spend certain things. But, but are, we, are we doing more of investing than we are spending? We spend time with Netflix. We invest time with children. We, we spend time at a movie or a ball game or anything like that. We invest in relationships. We invest in businesses. We invest because we're looking for long-term withdrawal. And so many times we get frustrated or we get um, burnt out because we're spending too much time spending and there's no, in, there's no return. We're like, what am I getting with this? What am I getting in all of this stuff that I'm doing? What, where's the return? What is the long-term goal? And we're like, I don't really see it. And so we get burnt out or we get uh, frustrated. And if you look at verses five through eight, that's why it says supplement. It is investing in my faith. If you say you follow Jesus, you gotta invest in the thing that you care about. And we've got to invest. We've got to add to, right? If you opened up, if you took $5 and opened up a retirement fund and then did nothing with it, 
When it came to retirement time, it's going to say insufficient funds because you didn't do anything with it. My retirement fund that I have that we, that we started a while ago, and listen, it does not have a whole lot of money in it. Like, I'll tell you that right now. But it's got something, and it grows every year because at one point we were giving in regularly, and we haven't. And so the, it's kind of like it's plateaued. Why? Because I've stopped putting money in, so therefore it doesn't grow at the same rate that it was when I was putting money in. And, and, and it happens in our faith all the time. We, we get excited about Jesus. We go, oh, I'm going to go to church. I'm going to get in this. I'm going to do that. I want to love, love and live my life for Jesus. And we invest all this time at the front end, and then we get comfortable, and we plateau with our, with our growth. And we go, I don't understand. I, I don't feel like church is as, as good anymore. I don't feel like my prayers even you know, uh, reach Jesus anymore. I don't feel like worship is as powerful anymore. It's probably because you have stopped investing in it. It's not that the worship changed. It's not that the message has changed. It's not the Bible definitely hasn't changed. Jesus hasn't changed. So the only thing that changes is our investment in the relationship. We've got to invest to produce growth. To get the most out of our faith, we invest to, get, to become better in Christ in these character traits that, that 2 Peter talks about. And it, with that, it will grow. Listen, well, that's what it says, right? The more you grow like this, the more productive and useful you will become. There's a guarantee. If you grow your faith and supplement your faith with these things, if you invest in your faith, you will grow. So if you're ever wondering, like you've hit, like you've hit a wall spiritually, I want you to go back to 2 Peter, and I want you to read these and go, where am I slacking? Where have I stopped giving investment to? And then start to go, okay, I'm going to invest in that moment. I'm going to invest in self-control. Uh, I'm going to invest in some uh, godliness. I'm going to invest in some biblical morality. Some of us need a spending freeze. Husbands, don't look at your wives. That's not what I'm talking about. Okay? Some of us need a spending freeze. And here's what I mean by that. Is that sometimes, you know, why do we have, uh, every now and then I'll tell Stephanie, hey, we need to, like, not spend till we get paid. <laughs> you know, anybody ever had that conversation, right? Hey, we just need to hit the brakes. We're not in the red, and I don't want to get there, right? Um, so we put a spending freeze. Unless we absolutely need it, unless it's in the budget, we're not going to buy it. We put a spending freeze. Why do we do that? To right the ship. So that we don't go down, Right? Financially, we'll put a spending freeze on our, on our money so that we don't get the wrong side up. And sometimes in our life, what we need to do is we need to put a spending freeze on the things that we are, our, our time that we're giving, the relationships that we're giving, the, the energy that we're giving to things so that we can right the ship and go, is this the most important thing that I need to be spending my, my time and my investment in? And so we, we, we put a spinning freeze and we, and we recollect, we take a deep breath and we go, okay, God, help me to give so that I'm investing more of my life than just spending it so that there's growth. The second thing that we need to know about investment is that not only does it produce growth when we do it right, but investment is intentional. You don't accidentally retire with money. If you figured that out, please come talk to me afterwards. I need to know how this works. You know what I mean? Like, you don't just go to your bank account one day and be like, bloop, 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 a million and a half dollars. How'd that happen? We don't know. It doesn't happen that way. You don't walk outside one day and there's like a new car sitting in your driveway and you're like, oh, yes. 
Normally, if that happens, you call the cops. I'm just going to let you know. Say, hey, there's a random car in my driveway. Right? Because things don't just magically appear. What we get in investment is because we were intentional in doing it. Rich people are rich because they intentionally spend and save a certain way. You've all seen the videos where, where rich people are talking about it. And, and, you know, there's like rich and then there's like the real rich people. Like there's the social media rich where they have to have all the nice stuff. And they have to show you like they actually have it. And then there's like the rich people that still shop at Payless shoe stores. Why? Because they don't care about what you think about them. They're, they're not getting money so that you are excited for them. They're investing. They're, they're investing not only for their success, but for generational success. Oh, are we investing for the people that are coming after us? Maybe you've got generational issues in your family and you're the person that can stop it because you've put a spending freeze on your life and you said, where am I going to invest in? And so depression will not be handed down to my children. And so alcoholism or addiction won't be handed down to my children. And you know what? Anger isn't going to be handed down to my children because I put a spending freeze and I've righted the ship and I'm investing in things that matter so that I'm intentional with what I hand down to the next generation. Rich people hand it down to their next generation because they don't care about what people think about them. They care more that their grandkids' grandkids are going to be able to live. And when we start to think like that spiritually, that's when communities change. Not just feed me, give me, I want to have a cool church, but I want to invest in the next. I want to be intentional. So here's the other scripture. 1 Peter 4, 7 through 11, it's in the Passion, Transla- the Passion Translation. It says this, since we are approaching the end of all things. Can I tell you, this is not a, um, tomorrow is, we're, we're approaching the end of next days. And then Tuesday, we're, we're one day closer. And then Wednesday, we're one. Like, you understand how this works? Paul was like, the end is near. Well, the end was near for him too. We don't know. The Bible says, no man knows the day nor the time that we should live according to God so that whether our end is tomorrow or a or hundred years from now or it's a thousand years from now, we have continued to invest that God is worshiped and glorified and that communities are changed. So that being said, since we are approaching the end of all things, be intentional, be purposeful and self-controlled. There's that word again. So that you be, can be given to prayer. Above all. Once again, when words are used, they're very important. Above all. Listen to this. Constantly echo God's intense love for one another. For love will be a canopy over a multitude of sins. Be compassionate to foreigners without complaining. Every believer has received grace gifts. So use them to serve one another as faithful stewards of the many colored tapestry of God's grace. For example, I love when the Bible does stuff like this. For example, if you have a speaking gift, speak as though God were speaking his words through you. If you have the gift of serving, do it passionately with the strength God gives you so that in everything, God alone will be glorified through Jesus Christ. For to him belongs the power and the glory forever through all ages. Amen. You do not get stronger by hopes. Well, I hope I can become the person that God is. No, what we, we talked about it the last two weeks. We get stronger by habits. Habits are intentional. Investment is through intentionality. So it starts with my, I'm going to change some habits. 
and I'm going to be intentional so that my investment grows. So that, so that what I, so, so that, you know what, in 20 years, when we're talking about Freedom Church in Camden, we're talking about an investment that all of you made that 20 years from now, people sitting in these seats will look at you and I go, they were part of it. They were part of it. They, they, they went, they, they struggled through it with us. They, they were part of, they were part of, of, of saying, we're not going to close the doors when COVID happened. We're not going to just give up because it's easy. We're not going to just fold on, on Camden because people speak negatively about the community. No, we believe in the investment that God is doing in this community. And if it takes us 20 years, we will invest right for this community. But it starts with us. Investing. If you've got a gift, you've got to start investing in it. Well, how do I know? What do you like to do? What do you like to do? And then allow God to use that. It's that simple. Like we make it way more complicated. Take this test so that you know what uh, your gift is. Listen, what do you like to do? And then let's find out how to use it for the glory of God. I'm an Enneagram. I think I'm an eight. Still don't even know what that means. I just know I took a test and that's what it said. You know what I can say? Man, I like playing music, and, and so I, I play it for God. It's that simple. I have a speaking gift. I love to use my, my, my words. I like to steal my wife's words and use them. They say that guys have 25,000 words a day and women have 50. I steal her 25 and, and probably plus, and, and I use way more than 50 a day. I like to talk to people. I enjoy it. I know some people that absolutely can't stand it. That's not your gift. It's just not. So find your gift and then ask the simple question, God, how do you want to use this? And it doesn't have to even be spiritual uh, all, all that much. Sometimes it's like, man, you're really good with your hands. I, I was watching a, a thing on Facebook. This guy, um, he's a mechanic. He's a mechanic. And God gave him this wild hair. You need to quit your job and, and work on people's cars for free. That's stupid. Okay, maybe I'm the only one that thinks that's stupid. Like, God, how am I going to survive? How am I? Most of the time when God step, makes you step out in faith, it's stupid. It doesn't make sense. Leave everything you've got, Abraham, and go to a place I'm going to send you. Where are we going? I'm not going to tell you yet. Okay. It, it doesn't make sense. And this guy, he quit, he quit his job. And he's like, okay, God, I'm just trusting you. And then like out of nowhere, he was talking to this lady and this lady was like, yeah, I've got this issue with my car. And he's like, cool. And, and, and he was like, I don't know how I'm going to get the parts. And then somebody called him and was like, hey, I've got this spare car. And he used it. He goes, it was the exact car I needed. When God speaks to you, he's going to make it happen. And, and, and I've, I've, I've now watched a few of his videos. He's had people come up and say, hey, listen, we believe in what you're doing. We want to financially make sure that you can do it. God's using other people to make sure that he stays taken care of and his family's taken care of. He's married, by the way. Like, this isn't just some random guy like, well, I live out of an a, a abandoned van. And no, like he has a house and a wife. And like, when God calls you to do something and use your gift, he's going to provide the need. Now, listen, all that being said, it doesn't mean that you go and just quit your job and go, unless God tells you, Okay. Just a catalyst. But every now and then, God will say, hey, you know what? This, you're really good at this. Can you take care of that for this person? Can you meet the need for this person? 
Can you invest in this person? Can you invest with your gift? Intentionally setting our lives to walk a path to live a life that honors God. That's what it means to live for Jesus. It's real simple. Does your actions, your words, and your thought processes honor God? If you ask that question before you do speak or think, you will almost always make the right decision. Is what I'm about to say going to honor God? Is what I'm thinking going to honor God? Is what I'm watching or listening to, the actions that I'm about to do, is it going to honor God? If it doesn't, then there is no gray area in those. Like there's gray areas in certain things. There's no gray areas in honor God. It's either honor God or it doesn't honor God. There's no gods up there playing peekaboo with it. Like, well, he doesn't see it right now. He'll open his eyes and go, ha, ha, no. Does it honor God? And if it doesn't, then let's, let's change those things and let's get some, some biblical truth into there. Intentionally investing in our spiritual life and the lives of others. It is the little things becoming the big things. It's one step changing the course of a thousand. But you have to take the first step. You have to change your focus. You have to start eating the meat, right? Get off the milk and eat the meat. Sometimes that means you have to change some group situations. Watch what enters your spirit. Watch what people are speaking over you. You don't accidentally fall into sin. Okay? I I want you all to know that. You don't accidentally fall into sin. Like, how did I get here? No. One step at a time, you get closer to those things. It's the same thing with faith. You don't accidentally invest in things. You, You intentionally invest in things. You don't accidentally grow in grace. You intentionally grow in grace. The last thing, the very last thing, is that growth is the heart of God. Growth is the heart of God. You've heard the sayings probably like I have, you know, God is a God of addition and and multiplication. And, and, And it's true. He wants to add. He wants to multiply. Over and over and over again through the scriptures, you see it. God added to the church daily. God multiplied these things. And and he wants to grow us spiritually in our lives. He wants to grow the church. He wants to grow his church. He wants to grow things. What What does he tell the disciples when he first meets them? Think about that. What was Jesus' first words to his 12 disciples? Hi, I'm Jesus. What's your name? Rodney. Hi, Rodney. Man, what do you do for a living? Like, he, he, didn't, he didn't even get into all that, right? He walked up to Matthew, who was a tax collector, in the middle of doing his job. And he walked up to Matthew and said, come follow me. What, what do you do? What's your favorite sin? Hey, do you have a wife? Like, I think that would be a pretty great question. Hey, is your wife going to be mad if I tell you to come follow me for the next three years? <laughs> no. <laughs> Have him back by midnight. Right? He says, hey, come follow me. He sees sees a bunch of fishermen, which, by the way, were were not like the cleanliest, both outwardly and inwardly. And he walked up to them and said, hey, oh, you're fishermen? I'll make you fisher of men. That would be a little odd. That's an odd statement. So come, come follow me. He gave them a very nice ultimatum. Come follow me. I see something in you. You don't see it yet. And that's the problem with so much is that we don't see what Jesus sees and so we don't think that we can follow him. 
Not one person that Jesus asked to come follow him was a religious leader. He didn't go into the synagogues and be like, hey, who's the greatest priest in here? I need you. He walked into the middle of sinners and said, I see something in you. Will you come and follow me? I promise you it'll be the greatest, exciting, most fearful moments of your life. Come on, let's go. And, and, and he says, come follow me. That was Jesus's invitation. And, and it's such a great invitation that he continues to make today. He's, he's looking, he looks at each and every one of us and says, come follow me. Come follow me. It, can I tell you this? It wasn't a starting point. It was a challenge. It wasn't just a starting point for them. It was a challenge. Are you up for the challenge? We, as guys, we look at Jesus sometimes, and I think that we've allowed the, the modern-day church to feminize him, and I'm not saying that in a negative way, but we don't see how we as men play a part in, in the faith world. Can I tell you, Jesus was probably the most manliest dude that you could ever meet. And you've got to find your faith in your masculinity as men. The, the one thing that the enemy is afraid of is a church that has godly men backing the church. Because we know we're going to find godly women. I'm just going to be like, this is just me being blunt. Godly women won't be hard to find, but godly men are. And when godly men stand up and say, I'm going to invest, oh, the devil gets mad. I told you this before. I think I shared with this a couple weeks ago. 97%, or no, what was it? 87% of families came to Christ if the father, if the husband, if the head of the household went to church first or went to church, period. Only 13% of households as a household came to follow Christ if the wife was the only one going. The enemy knows the power behind a godly man because he knows how it changes the investment of how the household will run for generations to come. Growth is the heart of God. Come and follow me. And then he told them, go and live it out. Go and change the world, right? Matthew 28, 19, go therefore into all the world. This same invitation of faith. It's not just a starting point, but a challenge for you and me today to grow, to change, to live intentionally and to invest in our lives for the kingdom purpose. I'm gonna end with two quotes from Jim Elliott. If you don't know who he is, he was an amazing missionary who died spreading the gospel at the hands of tribes that knew nothing about Jesus. You could go watch the movie End of Spirits, his life story about how he was called to witness for the gospel in a tribe that has never heard the gospel. Nobody ever, ever known their language. And God told him and his wife and a couple other families to go down there and to minister the gospel. And him and a couple of his friends died at the, at the end of Spirits when they tried to go and do that craziest part of that story is that his wife, after they had killed her husband, his wife stayed there to complete what God had told him to do. And because of her commitment to investment, that tribe came to know Jesus, the whole tribe. These were his words. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. In other words, 
What is in your life that keeps you from investing in the future of kingdom business and your spiritual growth that you feel like you can't live without, but realizing that what you give up is far greater, is far more invaluable that if I give it up, what I'm going to get in return when Jesus promises is return. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up making sure it's all about me so that I can give to others. And, and you're going to realize what God does in you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give up these things and, and I'm going to have more time to invest in my family and you're going to see a complete change in your family's life. Maybe it's just prayer. I'm going to invest 10 more minutes a day in prayer. His invitation, Jesus' invitation today is follow me. It always leads to Matthew 28, 19 for us. Go therefore. We all have places where we can share the gospel, where we can live our lives out for a world that needs to see a real Jesus. So Jesus says, come and follow me. And when you invest in the right things, he's going to tell you, go therefore. The last quote is this. I love this. It almost sounds kind of Dr. Seuss's. Wherever you are, be all there. And it doesn't make sense until it makes sense. I've read this like four or five times. How many have been somewhere, but you're not there? Yeah. Oh, I'm there. I'm present. But my mind is racing a thousand different places. Oh, I'm there, but I'm thinking about what has to get done next. Constantly thinking about what has to get done next. The enemy steals you being present, always looking towards the future. Wherever you are, be all there. The Bible says it this way, tomorrow's got enough issues. Focus on today. Wherever you are, be all there. Invest with where you're at. Grow God's kingdom in your life. Be intentional about it. And watch God do amazing things in your life. Will you pray with me? I just wonder, God, if you would speak to us today, I think that, that you, God, are this amazing, amazing person in our life that challenges us, that, that gives us the capability of hearing you invite us, follow me, that, God, that we would be invited into that life. That God, investment produces growth, but it only produces growth when we invest in the right things. And so God, help us. God, I pray right now for each person that's sitting here that hears my voice, that they would, be, they would take stock in what they, where they are investing, or even more so if they are investing. That God, we would not just spend our life spending moments, but we would invest in moments. God, that we're not just spending money, we're investing money. God, we're not just spending time in, in, in friendships and relationships. We're investing in those moments. Jesus, that you would give us the capability to, to maybe put a spending freeze on our life so that we could take stock at where we're at. Father, that you would have your way. 
and that you would that you would be used to be glorified in everything that we do that God that we would ask the simple question does this honor you the way that I speak the way that I act the way that I think in these moments when I want to retaliate when I want to speak these words when when the lies of the enemy tell me how useless I am does that honor God and if it doesn't I'm going to put a stop to it and I'm going to invest in what your word says about me and what your word says about the circumstance I thank you, God. Today, I pray this week that we would invest in something valuable, that we would go and we would make much of you. God, as the Easter season comes up, God, that people would hear the invitation of you. Come follow me, and it would change their life. So, Father, we thank you. We give you glory and honor. I thank you for those that invest financially here at the church, this community. We love you, God. We thank you and give you glory and honor. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. 